This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Everybody, I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 23rd, episode 1858. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. Only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as the life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. We appreciate you being here with us. We have Tara back. Hi, Tara. Hello. Good morning. And Tara, of course, is our host for the Western episode that we do on the fourth Tuesday of every month. And yes, it is already the fourth Tuesday of January. Hard to believe. But time is flying. And, you know, winter will be over before you know it, everybody, and you'll be back out riding and having some fun. Uh, That's if winter starts. It hasn't really started in some places still. Yeah, don't say that out loud because most pl- <laughs> most know, places, places have been getting have. hammered. So <laughs> yeah, now know. you haven't had it too bad in New Mexico. We haven't had a single drop of moisture. Really? Like no snow, no nothing. Yeah, they. I think they just got snow in the mountains, like in Santa Fe, just the other night. Because because Texas so. has been getting hit with some winter weather. <gasps> Yeah, Trevor's parents down in like South Padre have been getting snow, and we haven't had any. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are north of little... Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. We are in the very north part. <laughs> but you're more. You kind of more get the weather of uh, Arizona, right? I mean, you're kind of warmer, deserty. Well, not really. No? I mean, we have all four seasons. We get snow. We just we didn't. We haven't had snow yet. Huh. Yeah, all so, the people in yeah. Maine and uh, New England and Wisconsin and Michigan hate you for saying that right now. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean it as a rubbing in thing in any way. I do. It's going to be 72 here today, just saying. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I do mean You're to rub it in. supposed to be allowed to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get fired, so I'm good. Um, <laughs> Jennifer, what's coming up on today's show? Coming up on today's Horseware Western episode, we're going to start out chatting with Tori Kelly. She is with Equine Video Productions, and they've got a little, uh, it's the Mother Goose Project. We'll just say that. And it's, it's in the Kickstarter phase, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and why you should support it. And then after break, we're going to have a chat with Kat from Eat Your Tart Out, and she's going to tell us about jar cakes. That's something you eat, not a nickname for the obnoxious character in Star Wars. And to wrap things up, we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Madeline Ward, DVM. It's a doctor and health segment on today's show. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Time for our daily winnies. 
have a couple happy birthdays here. Tigger, host of the Healthy Critters radio show here on the Horse Radio Network. It's her birthday today, so happy birthday, Tigger. Also, one of our terrific listeners, Sarah Wallace. It's her birthday today. And I have a very special congratulations to April and Sean Hardiman. They're auditors of ours. And they had the cutest baby announcement I've ever seen. So congratulations. They're going to have a baby. And it was really cute. Do you know those little chalkboards that are on an, like a an little easel chalkboards that you write on out and they put them outside of restaurants, you yeah. know, on the sidewalk. Well, they had that mm-hmm. filled out and um, I love what it said. I'm trying to bring it up right now. Uh, they, uh, let's see here. I'm bringing it up. It was the cutest thing. They are, they, so their announcement was this little chalkboard and it said, my new rider is expected September 2018 and their horse is standing over uh. looking down at the chalkboard and there's balloons on it and hanging off of the chalkboard is a little teeny tiny pair of cowboy boots. Oh, that's cute. It was the cutest thing ever. So, and it's, apparently it is her horse, and uh, uh, it, w- it was a very good announcement. It was very well done. So good job, April, and congratulations, and happy baby time coming up. So, uh, <laughs> you, um, so screaming and long nights, so get your sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask, yeah. ask Tara about that. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. You'll just realize how productive you really can be. Like, that's what I think I find out as I went, what What did I do before kids? I, I mean, I can't believe I didn't do 300 more things before kids. <laughs> yeah, because now you still get them done and have the kids. Yeah. So it's like a whole new level of awesome. Yeah, but so yesterday we awesome. talked about ulcers, and I think you probably have more of those. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I probably am aware of more symptoms of more things than I ever thought possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're daily winning. So my daily winnie goes out to uh, the director, AQHA's director of ranching, Kim Lindsay. She does an amazing job for the programs in AQHA and especially for ranchers. But she also helps run some of the shows. And we were at a show in Fort Worth last weekend, and Trevor and I went, and we took uh, Philip, our our middle son, and. Usually we're at that show till like 2 a.m. And she did an amazing job running it and getting it together. People were going out to eat with their family and their friends at 6 o'clock. So it was – I just wanted to give her a shout-out because that made it a really nice event for a lot of people. So And Any they had more entries than ever before. Done at a normal time at a show, you're in good shape. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so. Well, good. Cool. Well, we are going to be doing Road to the Horse again this year. Tara, Jennifer's actually going up this time. And uh, no, Tara. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you're going to be co hosting with us. Uh, so that's yeah. nice. Oh, you need to do your unplug thing, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. So, um, it's the Mac thing. It causes uh, you have to unplug the mic every once in a while or it gets staticky and we're never sure why. But. It's what I'm happens. Back. Oh, you're back. Sounds much better. So we're, we are doing Road to the Horse. Tara's going to be co-hosting up there and getting some help to do that. It'll be much like last year. We'll do a couple live episodes, and then uh, you'll be covering the event live on Sunday. I know that a lot of people look forward to that. Uh, and, but this year's a little different. It's their anniversary year, right? Right. It's 15th anniversary, and they're sort of celebrating all of the past, and then what I think's neat about this year's competitors is they've all won it once before. So, like, everybody in the ring is going for their second title. And your husband's coming up, right? Going to be there? 
Yes. Yeah, he's going to come and because like they wanted they wanted everybody to come that's been a past past participant and uh yeah and he's going to help them with a few things so I don't I don't have all the details on it yet but it should be fun. And I know that there are tickets I think still for sale. Um the competitors this year are Jim Anderson, Nick Dowers, Dan James and Vicky Wilson. Of course Vicky was everybody's favorite last year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see Vicky go up against Dan James. and We'll have two from Down Under, actually. Vicky's from New Zealand, and Dan, of course, is from Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick is do from... Do they say Down Under for New Zealand? Do they say the yeah. same thing? Oh, yeah. That's they still do? Down Under. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I mean, I know it is, but do uh, That's they, what like, I say. I mean... Do they? Yeah. <laughs> do, do they say that? I'm just curious. I don't know... Um, I don't, that's just what I say, uh, anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do know that there there are still tickets for sale. You can head on over to RoadToTheHorse.com for that. Now, if you're going to Road to the Horse, uh, we're going to be doing a little giveaway, and Tara's going to tell you about that. But also, for all of you people who wouldn't come on the cruise... Um, <clears throat> Who wouldn't come on the cruise, and because you said, oh, it doesn't involve horses, why aren't we doing something that involves horses? Well, now we have something for our listeners that involves horses and involves Tara. So tell us about it. So what, we, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have a horsemanship clinic here at our place uh, the last weekend in June, first weekend in July. It crosses over there. And we're going to set it up where it's just for the Horse Radio Network folks if they'd like to come. And we're going to be doing a giveaway at Road to the Horse. So you can sign up there or sign up online, and that way you get a chance to come and join us. Oh, so people at home also can enter to win? Yes, uh, if they would like. Uh, ah, got it. Okay, so now what are they? What what's the weekend going to be? Well, we'll come out, and usually what we do when we come out for Horsemanship Weekend is first when everybody gets here, you know, you can bring your own horse, or we have some that you can lease, and we mostly make sure everybody, you know, everybody gets along, and Trevor has a good idea of how everybody rides, and then as soon as everybody's safe, away we go. So we'll usually go out, we've got several different places that we'll go and check cattle, and gather cattle, and sort cattle, and uh, lots of places to ride, lots of trail, and anyway... It's kind of uh, basically just an opportunity to come and ride out on the ranch and give your horse a real purpose and have some great horsemanship coaching alongside it. So a lot of fun. And, you know, we do campfires and have some amazing food. And so, yeah. Now, is uh, are, do they have to bring their own horse or do you have horses that people could use? We have some, so it'll be like a first come, first serve on that deal. But we'd love for you to bring your own because that's kind of the idea. Okay. And this, tell everybody where it is. We're in Clovis, New Mexico, and Glenn asked me, he said, so where's the nearest airport? <laughs> and there's two ways you can do it. You know, you can fly in, the, the biggest, closest, like, international airports are Lubbock or Amarillo, and they're in Texas, and they're about an hour and a half away. Um, you, can, you can fly into Albuquerque, which is about a three and a half hour drive, but some people like to do that because then you can go by Santa Fe and then come down. So those are kind of the three places, but really you can fly right into Clovis. If you're going to be one of those people who does the lease option, you can fly right into Clovis because you can fly to DFW. And then there's this little company called Boutique Air that will pick you up at DFW and take you in, in their suburban over to the, like the corporate airport. And then you fly straight to Clovis on a kind of like a private plane. It's really cool. Wow. 
Yeah. You fly in a b- private plane? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a eight it's a it's a eight passenger plane, you know, but it's it's like a a corporate plane. Um Yeah. I looked at that yesterday too. It wasn't even that expensive. I was surprised. No. No, it's amazing. Like you can't you can't like even get the bucks. shuttle. I thought it was going to be more than that. Yeah, and it's really nice. Like I, you know, I wasn't sure the first time I flew it and I thought, "Oh, it's a little plane and I mean, my dad has theories about little planes. He says they're way safer than the big planes. So, anyway, it, uh, it it's really nice. You feel like it's your, you know, like you're kind of luxuriously traveling on a private jet. It's kind of fun. Hmm. So, very yeah. cool. So, yeah. and we're going to have more details about that next month, right? Right. Okay. Yes. So we'll, we'll definitely have more details for you about that coming up next month. In the meantime, um, we're going to hear from our title sponsors over at Horseware, who we get to see this weekend, because we're going to be at the American Equestrian Trade Association again. So let's hear from them about their Bravo line of blankets. Well, I'm here with Catherine from Horseware. We are at the trade show, and I asked her a question. Horseware is really known for blankets and really well-known, and we use them all the time on the English side, but what do you have that fits that hard-to-fit, you know, quarter horse, the Western quarter horse? Our top seller into the Western market is our Bravo 12 Plus Medium, and the medium weight is a 250-gram fill. It comes with a hood that is detachable, um, and it's a 1,200 denier material. So I know that one of the things that's really important on the Western side is to have the hood, too. And I, the no hood... No fuzzy necks, please. No fuzzy necks, that's right. And the hood kind of attaches in a different way than most hoods. This is pretty cool. The hood attachment is to minimize any sort of rubbing. So the hook is on the inside of the rug, and then the attachment on the hood is a Velcro. No snaps. Off, off, no, no snaps. snaps. Right. No snaps. So it eliminates the rubbing on eliminates the neck. Eliminates rubbing, and it, it, it's so important to actually keep that neck covered. Uh, you spend so much time trying to put condition on that neck. It's a huge, big muscle, and during the colder weather, you're defeating the purpose of having putting that put that effort into maintaining that muscle if you don't have the hood on. Very good, and of course, it has the quality, and that's why I wanted to bring this up because horseware has such quality, lasts such a long time that I'm really glad to see there's something for the Western market now with that quality. Absolutely, our our pattern is fantastic. The fit, the functionality, it, our blankets, and it just lasts a long time. It does. <laughs> <laughs> And the other beauty with our rugs, they are actually crafted so that they don't need leg straps. So when you look at the graphics that we have in our magazines or on our website, you'll see horses at standing, um, trotting, galloping, um, and the the blanket is designed so that it stays in place and there's no slippage. Very good. Glenn loves that there's no leg straps. I love that. Yes. Horse husband approved. So now where can people find out more about the uh, horseware line of blanket? We have a website that gives a comprehensive um, information on all the sizes, colors, um, and options that are available, and that is horseware.com. And it also ha- yeah, it makes it really easy to find out your size and to do all of that on there. I've been on there many times. Horseware.com. All right, very good. And uh, as I said, we're going to see them. We're heading off to the American Equestrian Trade Association show this weekend. Uh, So we will have shows for you uh, through Thursday. And then uh, Friday, we'll have a recorded show for you. And then Monday, we'll have our special products episode like we do from Ada every year, every twice a year, actually. Um, So... 
by the way, Geraldine just just confirming that down under is the informal term, informal term for Oceania, which also includes New Zealand. Yes. Okay. I was right. Very good. Thank you, Geraldine. <laughs> Appreciate that. But yeah, so we're going to be having a product show for you of all the new products coming out over the next six months that we find at the trade show this weekend. We'll have that for you on Monday. So that'll be our special Monday Ada episode coming up this week. Well, Jennifer is working and getting our guest on, and um, or, or not. I don't know. <laughs> she seems to be having some trouble with that. Uh, so you. Um, you're coming into an hour. Will you start getting busy with shows when? Now. Now? It happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems like we sort of, you know, everybody gets quiet and then all of a sudden we're ready to go. So we, we pretty much have one every month, but the biggest the biggest show month for us is September and October. That just seems to be crazy busy. And that's also a really nice time of year everywhere. So everybody wants clinics during that time of year too. So <laughs> it's September and October a little wild. But they're now, a lot of fun. Didn't we have somebody talking? Uh, I think the the uh, documentary is called uh, called On the Rail. Maybe mm. um, we had him on. Mm. It was a documentary, and some of the auditors were starting to watch it. And I wanted to ask you about it. Now I totally the name totally s- slipped my mind. It was about cutting, I believe. Um, oh, down the down the fence. Down the fence. On the rail. Close. <laughs> on the rail. Close. Uh, so, have you seen it yet? I have, yeah, and it's very good. Yeah, it's really so good. So what's your review? Because the listeners seem to like it. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it's actually been a little while since I've watched it, but I think it does a really nice job of explaining the sport of ring cow horse. Oh, which, by the way, you know, Meredith, she was on the show. She was the guest last, I guess, our Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. And I saw her in Fort Worth, and she did an amazing job in Fort Worth. Like, she won basically every class. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so it does a great job of of explaining cow horse and how it works and down the fence. And it follows two trainers and sort of, you know, the highs and lows of training a horse. And, um, and it highlights, too, the importance of the bridle horse, you know, developing a horse from Snaffle to Hackamore to Tourane and into the bridle. And I just thought they did a really nice job of covering some of the heritage and and how it translates to the performance today, and and then you know they they cho- chose two really two really great 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 people to basically follow how it works. So yeah, very. Cool. I really liked it. Very cool. But and you can find I think it's on Netflix right now. It is, yeah, Netflix, and I think you can get it on iTunes. And I think they started out with a Kickstarter also, um, like like the Smother Goose project. So. Kind of gives you an idea of where where this where the Mother Goose project might go. Well, speaking of that, that's our next guest. Her name is Tori Kelly, and she is with Ecoin Video Productions, and she has been doing uh, video for a long time. Uh, and she specializes in show clinic and promotional projects, and has done a number of projects in the past. But the one we're going to talk to her about today is kind of dear to our heart uh, because it's about. Jennifer's old instructor, Kim Walnuts, who who uh, used to come up to our house and stay over, and we spent a lot of time with Kim, and she's one of our favorites, but it's about Kim and about her horse that we've talked about here on the show before, uh, and, and her horse, Goose, who was an event horse at the very top levels, and they're talking about doing a Kickstarter, or they're doing a Kickstarter to, to do a little documentary about that, and that's why we have uh, Tori on with us. Good morning, Tori. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being on. Now, how did you, up there in the Northwest, end up uh, hooking up with Kim Walnuts? 
Well, it all started uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe. I got an email from uh, Julie Johnson, who is a friend and a big fan of Kim's, and they've been looking for someone to do a documentary on Kim's life for quite some time. And I was recommended because I just had finished putting, uh, finishing a documentary. Anyway, she contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested. And so we've been in touch and discussing it ever since. And of course I said, yes, it's just such a compelling story. Uh, I'm surprised that someone hasn't picked it up and done it already. <laughs> and you know, uh, we've talked about, and it's called the Mother Goose Project. Explain the title to everybody so they know why. Well, uh, Jack Legoff, who was Kim's, uh, one of her mentors and instructors and teachers, nicknamed her that because at the time, um, you know, she had her two small children with her wherever she went, and then, you know, the gray goose. So uh, he nicknamed her the mother goose. And that's, a, Julie thought that would be a great name for the documentary. And for those that don't know, Jack Legoff was a, uh, like a legend in eventing. He was, you know, if you were, if yeah. you were working with him, you were working with the top of the top at that point uh, in time. And we're talking back in the 80s, was, was Grey Goose in the 80s? Yes, yes, he was. Um he was back in, um, well, they were on the U.S. team in 1980 to 1986. And uh, so, and I don't know if you know the story of she, she found him in Ireland, and apparently he was quite the difficult horse to ride. And, and uh, so that's a story in itself, uh, how she was able to ride him and compete at the highest level with him. Because he and was... I don't know if a lot of people... He was big horse, too, if I remember yes, right. He, yes, and fast, you know, extremely fast. And, and, for, and, uh, and people will <laughs> recognize uh, this particular horse because the Grey Goose was used in the movie Sylvester. So if you've seen Sylvester, you've probably seen the Grey Goose, actually. Um, yes, yeah. Now, Kim, is this going to be the story of Grey Goose or the story of Kim or a combination of both? We have about a, a kind of a three storyline arc, if you will. It's about the great goose, um, and it's about Kim and, and the horse together and their success. And but it's also a story of Kim and some of the tragedy that that she's had to face in her life, as well as coming out on the other end of that and the help and uh, just the mentorship that she gives to others, uh, especially with the connection to their horses. I got to so it's. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. I said, I got to ask you, Sorry. you talked about the, the, the crash that she had. So I assume you're going to tell the story of the crash and the nuns. I'm just going to tease that. That part I am not familiar with. At this time. Am I wrong um, about that, Jennifer? <laughs> Do I remember that right? Uh, there there was a crash, and there were nuns. Yes, that's right. So I think you'll be telling <laughs> no about the story spoilers. of the crash and the nuns. No spoilers. Yeah, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Just uh, tease there, because nuns were involved. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tori, do you follow... Do you follow? I I talked to a lady who was who was doing a documentary at one time, and and I asked some of the similar the same question that Glenn said. So like, what's it going to be about? And and she she then said to me, well, 
the story actually, like my job is to help the story tell itself. And I thought that was an interesting comment. So like when you, when you're, when you're beginning this, this project or any sort of project, do you find things like this, like the crash and the nuns and all of a sudden the story takes a turn that you didn't (laughs) think it would take or, or is it pretty, no, this is that we've already, we've already figured out how the story is going to go and we're just going to try to tell it in that way. Or does it, does it evolve in places you didn't think it would go? Oh, I think it's a little bit of, of all of that. You know, you have in your mind um, what the story is you want to tell. And then things come up that you think, oh, that's so interesting or I love that or something that just really touches you that you just have to uh, let people know about. And the wonderful thing with Kim's story is she has just so many wonderful photos and, and footage uh, from back in the 80s and their time with, you know, competing and, and now that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stock and footage that we already have access to, uh, which mm-hmm. is just going to be terrific, I think, for people to see because a lot of it people haven't seen before. Yeah, because... And I think that, you know, there's, there's also, I, you know, and I haven't actually met Kim yet. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, the four people involved in this so far, we've, we've never met each other. We're on <laughs> all different, you know, sides of North America. So hmm. I think that's uh, very exciting as well, especially with how you can have such easy access to information. I, I think that's part of very exciting. Well, and you guys are doing a Kickstarter for this right now, trying to raise the money, uh, looking for around $7,000. So Jennifer will post this link. Uh, if you want to check this project out and see more about it, you can go to the Kickstarter page. Jennifer will post this link on our Horses in the Morning page as well. And it'll also be in our show notes for today's show. And, and I know you have different levels and you have different incentives at different levels. So uh, you can you can find out all about that over there. You got about 20 days left it looks like on this so yes, yes, yes. yeah this is phase one just to help us get uh some travel time in some media back and forth and uh to really just get it off the ground so that we can we can start in i know uh, i was involved with a uh, documentary called the messengers about about podcasting and it is amazing how much money is spent making a documentary that by the way you very seldom ever recoup uh in the documentary world no. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, uh, it's because you love what you do and uh and i'm thrilled to be a part of it and and it's just such a blessing to be able to have do something that you just love doing right yeah. Well, uh, thank you for, for helping uh, Kim out with this project. I hope it goes forward. She deserves to have this go forward. And we're wishing her the best of luck. We'll definitely have her on as time goes along here again, too. Oh, yes. For sure. Yes. She's she's a favorite yes, of ours and, of course, very special to us. Oh, that's know, so thank you so much for, for, be, uh, for being on the show with thank us this you. morning. All right. Take Good care. Good luck. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. So there you go. That's uh, you know, uh, Jennifer can speak a little more about Kim. She, uh, how long did you work with her? It was quite a while, didn't you? Oh, probably three, four years, maybe, maybe a little longer. Yeah, she, she, I, I credit Kim with um, 
she she let me discover that dressage was actually fun, <laughs> which is big when you're an eventer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. You know? Um, yeah, but she she's a very, very insightful trainer. And I was at that point in my life where I didn't need people to tell me my heels needed to stay down. So I needed a diff, sort of a different kind of coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's, it's great fun. She really makes you, she makes you use your brain really, really hard. And she makes, she has you do a <laughs> lot of groundwork kind of stuff too. I remember that. Um, when you, she would do mm-hmm. the clinics, there would be a lot of groundwork. Uh, and I, that doesn't mean yeah. you and the horse on the ground. That means you on the ground. <laughs> she would work with you on the ground. Right. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, yes, yes. If you, if you cannot, if you cannot understand this concept and, uh, transfer it into your physical being when you're standing on the ground. You're certainly not going to be able to do it when you're sitting on a horse. So let's start yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Let's take so all the variables away. Flapping around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, she has a website, too, called thewayofthehorse.com, thewayofthehorse.com. That's Kim's site, and she still does clinics and, and travels around a bit. So uh, you can find that at thewayofthehorse.com. And, I, you know, I was interested to see if Kim has a, you know, has a somewhat roller coaster and tragic, some tragic things that happened. We talked about the nuns in the crash, uh, but also her daughter's murder and everything. And, you know, she's talked about that with us in the past. And, it, you know, I, I don't know how you overcome a lot of the things that Kim has overcome to, to lead a productive life again. Uh, but I give her credit because that takes, takes a lot of courage to do that. And uh, just a lot of fortitude. Um, I heard some song the other day and it was just saying about, you know, champions get up when, when other people can't get up. Like, so it's just interesting that what people can overcome and yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's uh, do this. Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, total saddle fit shoulder relief cinch, and then we'll get our recipe for the month. Coming up. Uh, this recipe is going to be brought to you by none other than the show. Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Cinch. Say that four times fast. That's why I do this ad, Doc Glenn. That's correct, because I can't can't do it. Too many big words. Shoulder Relief Cinch. (laughs) Like the English girths that come from Total Saddle Fit, the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Cinch improves saddle fit and horse comfort. The center of the cinch sits in your horse's natural girth groove, while the sides are set back to attach to the latigos further back and prevent the saddle from being pulled onto the shoulders. The unique shape has special cutouts for elbow clearance. It uses an interchangeable liner system, so one cinch can be used with the the limestone neoprene, wool felt, or wool fleece. So it's easy to clean and flexible, and you can just pop one liner off and pop a new liner on, and your next horse down down the row has a clean cinch. And it could be because you can get the liners separate from the cinches. And it's the top-selling cinch at many, many online retailers as well as your local store. You can find out more at totalsaddlefit.com. Or when you walk into your local saddle shop, say, hey, get me the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Cinch and get it now. So there you go. Thank you very much. Well, this was recorded a while back, um, a couple years ago, actually, over on the Stable Scoop show. Kat from Eat Your Tart Out, that's uh, a blog about food, it did a recipe for us. And Jill just couldn't make it this month, so we thought we'd fill in with this. And Kat, it was a lot of fun, and she did uh, a recipe for cake in a jar. And we thought that you guys would enjoy that. So let's take a listen to that. We'll be back with more. What are we talking about with your vet today?
So one of the things that Madeline does is she actually helps develop nutrition plans based on a horse's temperament because different temperaments help your horse. Like they'll use through different things nutritionally. So it's really cool. She's helped us with several horses um, and it, it works in conjunction with your current feeding program. And anyway, it's, it's really neat. So, all right. Very good. And that's coming up later in the show, but right now here's Kat. Next up, we have one of our favorite guests and that's Kat from eat your tart out. Kat is the proprietress of this yummy food blog, which features all kinds of recipes and food photos that will make you drool in your lap. And um, advice and nutrition tips and shopping tips. It's really one of my favorite food blogs. So we're going to welcome Kat from Eat Your Tart Out. Well, hi, Kat, and welcome back to the show. Hi there. Thank you guys for having me. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about something because Jennifer keeps bringing this up and she keeps saying, I got to figure out how to do that because I think it's so cool. And you do it. You have it on your blog, Eat Your Tart Out. Uh, and it's Eat Your Tart Out, T A R T E dot com, <laughs> Tart Out. Um, so you do cupcakes in a jar. And I just think they're so cool looking, one, and so convenient, especially if you like going to a horse show or something. Yeah, well, this is one of those things that, you know, most of us nowadays, we get sucked into Pinterest. And when you're there, you spend hours and hours. And I get stuck into all the food stuff. And I kept seeing all these really great ideas. And when I had moved to Missouri recently, I wanted to really get involved in our farmer's market, which would give me a good way to kind of get out and meet people and get involved with the food community. And so I needed something for presentation. And then Back in my mind, I remembered Pinterest, and there was these cupcakes in a jar. I was like, you know what? That would be really cool. Nobody else would do it, and it would just make a lot of sense. It would be something fun, and what I really thought and what I'm learning more and more is that not only do cupcakes in a jar work really well for, like, picnics because you're not having to take a container that's going to topple over in the car and make a mess. You can also have them for long car rides, so they're really good for just you. I tie a spoon, a wooden spoon, on the outside of mine, and I see a lot of kids that will go into the car right away and go on long car trips and they don't make messes like they would with normal cupcakes because they have the spoon and they have the jar. Uh, they also make really great hostess gifts or it's just good for traveling. So all in all, cupcakes in a jar are amazing. <laughs> so. Now, do you use, like, can you use your regular cupcake? How do you do it? Okay. Well, well I, in my blog post, I basically, because I had a lot of people at the farmer's market asking me, and I wanted to sell them as I make really high-end, I really use the best ingredients, but you can use any ingredients, your favorite cake mixes, your favorite frostings, fillings, whatever. But And I give pointers on what I've learned, uh, different tips I've picked up, things not to do, things to do. But the basis of it is, is you're taking a mason jar, a small mason jar, and you're putting your cupcake mix into it, and you're baking them in the oven. In the mason and, jar. Yeah, in your mason jar. So and that's without, why it's important it's mason jars and not some cheap jars because they'll crack in the oven. Exactly. Well, I don't know that they wouldn't. <clears throat> I actually use Care uh, jars, which is just another brand of mason jars. Yeah, you can yeah. use Ball or all those. Yeah, but, but I meant something that's made for cooking at high temperatures as opposed to tr taking your maybe jelly jar and trying to convert it. Or that might work too. I don't know. Yeah, well, these are jelly jars essentially. Mm. I just happen to use them for cupcakes. But the biggest thing is, is that. Um, with glass baking, if you put in a cold, um, let's say a cold container into a hot oven, you risk cracking them. Right. So this for the, I haven't had any problems. I typically, what I'll do is I'll put my filled jars onto a cookie sheet and I'll put them in the oven. 
and you can use any recipe. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is, is, um, you're going to have a clear jar. So people are going to be able to see through like last week I made these blue velvet cupcakes. And while I had a clear jar, you couldn't really see the blue because they, when they cooked the outside turned Brown. So Mm. those are things you kind of have to be a little bit more aware of. And that glass also takes a longer time for baking. Aside from that, you can use just about any recipe you wanted for brownies. uh, You could do cookies. They're just going to take a little bit longer. And then now, so you cook the cake in there, and then you're icing them right in the jar. Do you use a a piping bag or something like that? Yes, because, again, with the whole clear view of everything, um, if you just try and glob it in there, it's going to look really, really bad. And trust me, I've tried it where I didn't have enough frosting, and I'm, like, trying with a spoon to spread it out, and it looks terrible. So I always recommend making more frosting than you think you'll need and then using a piping bag or a Ziploc bag and cutting the corner Mm -hmm. off. And just kind of putting it in there. And that's how I also fill them as well because the same thing, if you just try and take a scoop and scoop your batter into the jars, you'll get sides that run down. And when they bake, they'll look really bad. Yeah, they'll look messy. Yes, How absolutely. about the fill height? Because, you know, how, how do you fill it? Because cakes do rise some, so... They do. And that's one of those things in my uh, blog post I kind of write about is is that you have to test it. And more times than not, I usually recommend. And when I'm testing out recipes, I always do one jar at a time. And while it's not efficient for the oven's sake and having your house heated up in the summertime, I do recommend putting the batter in one jar at a time and seeing, like you say, all right, I'm going to fill it halfway and see where it ends up. Because Depending on my recipes, some I've filled halfway and they've filled completely to the top and then I have no room for frosting. Or other times I've filled them halfway and that's exactly where they sat. So every batter is going to be a little bit different. Um, and there's no real good way other than sampling it out to see what's going to happen. That makes sense. And how about, you know, I always, uh, do, I always do the pan the way my mom taught me. Which was, uh, you know, you take your shortening and you rub it all over the pan and then you put your flour on, yep. you know, to uh, to make your pan. How about the jars? Do you do anything? No, I don't. And okay. I found, and that's, and I tried to go through as many different scenarios as I could in my blog post about these different kinds of things. But with the shortening or the spray, I found that sometimes if you get it, again, you don't know where your batter is going to basically settle out when it's done baking. And you get that residue, which normally you wouldn't see if you didn't like in a muffin tin or something like that. But you will see it because it's a glass and clear jar. And because you're going to be digging these out with a spoon, I haven't found any reason to actually put the shortening or anything in it. I found that kind of being in the jar, it retains a lot of the moisture. Uh, so you're not getting it like caked and crisp, you know, on the outside where you can't actually scoop it out of there. So I haven't had any problem with that. Well, and the other thing too is, if you have your cake layer base, you could put, you could put, let's say it was some kind of white cake, and you put a strawberry layer and then a cream layer. Because you're eating it with the spoon, it's all going to get mixed up. Unlike sometimes when it's on your plate. Yes, absolutely. And I think in one of my uh, pictures I put on there, I made this banana caramel uh, cream pie, I guess if you will, cake. And it had this. It was a beautiful kind of like sponge cake, and then I layered it with a caramel. Um, banana sauce and then on top I put frosting and I just layered it you know sometimes people if they want they can fill the middle of the cupcake but because you can see it I thought it would be a lot more fun to kind of layer it out and that's the fun thing you can get into is is because you can see through you can do a lot more fun things like one of my first pictures I did was a rainbow uh, vanilla cupcake and I I, saw that 
you know, color different batters <laughs> and I layered it out essentially. And when it bakes, you get this cool rainbow and it's really fun for kids. Or if you just want something a little different, you know, things like that. So there's so much you can do with it. It's almost a little bit too like overwhelming, but you know, even if you just got cake mix from a store, made it up, you know, put it in there and then got frosting and pie filling, for example, you could absolutely do that too and make it your own, but just cut down on the steps. Uh, do they go well at the market? They do. Yeah. It's just a little bit different because it's so hot and humid that it's just a little bit too much for this time of year. Um, so I'm actually starting to do um, little mini. I'm taking the jars. I'm taking the really the small ones, the four ounce ones, and I'm going to start doing cobbler in those because my pies have been doing really well. So it's just a matter of trying things up. But essentially, you can almost do any baked good in a jar. So it makes it kind of fun. <laughs> Well, and I like Eat Your Tart Out, too. We're going to have to try those. Uh, Jennifer's been dying to try them anyway, so we'll have to give those a try. Uh, And I've been loving uh, your blog, Eat Your Tart Out, because you also, and of course everybody that listens to this show knows I'm on this gluten-free, sugar-free diet now. And uh, you have a gluten-free section, so I like that. Thank you. Yeah, no, not a problem. I mean, it's something that I've actually adapted a gluten-free diet in um, in our house Um, But there's instances where I have a lot of people asking me for different things. And at my market, I do, you know, gluten-y delicious things. But uh, I just try to cut the gluten out. So it's nice that I can offer that up, too, because after listening to the episode you did where you were talking about your diet, uh, it's just something that I've noticed has helped me, even though I don't have a sensitivity to gluten. I just like eating that way. But in my blogs, I usually give an option for ways to do recipes gluten-free or with gluten. So even though it might say gluten-free, there's usually another opportunity for you to kind of find ways to incorporate what you would eat in your diet into a lot of them. And, you know, what makes what makes this diet... You can, gluten-free now, they have so many things now uh, that yes. help with that in the stores that I didn't have 10 years ago when I did it. But when you add sugar-free, that really does cut back. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the products you see, when you try and do both, then 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 you're you're somewhat limited in, in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what, I've lost 15 pounds. I am very proud to say that uh, for the first time in probably almost 20 years, I'm under 190. So, wow! Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, that's after about six weeks. So that's uh, that's pretty good. That's one benefit of being on this diet. Yeah, but it's hard too because I can understand when we first went gluten free, you definitely miss out on a lot of things. And so it's, you know, you you probably notice it where we notice it. You go to restaurants and you go out with a group of people and they bring the bread around. That looks so good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my big thing is I've always been a sweets person. And so I've, I've found a lot of really, one of my things that I do at the market every week is I do a gluten-free and a vegan option. So not incorporating dairy is almost as hard as not incorporating sugar, uh, so you've had to kind of go a, a lot of different ways to kind of come up with substitutions that still taste good and are appealing, you know. So I can understand that whole sugar-free thing. But it's, yeah, especially when you go out to eat and or even going over to a friend's house, it's sometimes like, luckily for me, I'm not gluten intolerant. But when you do go over to your friend's house, it's sometimes you just have to concede and yes, not do. make a big deal of it. But You're there right. are times when, yeah, you can go out to a restaurant and people are like, why are you eating rabbit food? And I'm 
you then you have to go into the spiel and it, it almost makes you feel or bad. You, you get a hamburger and you take it off the bun, you know, and you don't eat the bun, you know, which is, you know, things that I've done in the past. Yep. But uh, yeah, you had a recipe here I really want to try and that's the cucumber and blueberry salad. That looked that's, really good. Yeah, that is one of those that I just, I found inspiration at my favorite store, Wegmans. Yeah. And I, I just thought, I'm like, all right, I have to do something with this. So I kind of mixed it up and added some more things, but I've got, I mean, Every week I'm putting up a new recipe of different things to do. So and I'm always looking for inspiration wherever I am. So that's one of those that I found in a grocery store. So <laughs> thank you, Kat, for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Eat your tart out. Cool little uh, blog. And it's a lot of fun. So I highly recommend everybody check it out. And it's eat your tart. And tart is with an E. T-A-R-T-E. Out.com. Well, we hope you enjoyed Kat and got a little bit out of that. Uh, uh, She was uh, always fun to have on the show. She had a child or two. I think she's had two now. So I don't know that the blog is as active as it once was, but there's a ton of recipes and things still on there. Uh, Have you ever made cake in a jar? (laughs) Actually, I just did the other night. And did it work? Uh, Well, I don't think it was quite as nice as this. They have these in the they have them in the grocery store, right? You can buy them in a box and and you put them in a coffee mug. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, it was better than I thought, but definitely not as good as, you know, the real thing or probably, of <laughs> course, I'm sure it's nowhere near as good as making it like, like, uh, eat your tart out. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We've never done. Have you ever done it, Jennifer? Have we done that before? I don't know that we have actually. I'm pretty, oh, I'm pretty sure it's one. Jennifer, you're, new- you're on mute. Oh. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I've done coffee mug ones, but I've never done jar ones. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The coffee mug ones. I'm pretty sure that has to be nuclear, kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Just, make, make sure it just felt. Make wrong. sure your jar is right uh, too. She said. I'm just always afraid it's going to explode in the. Yeah, oven. that's what she yeah. said. Make sure you I'm have terrified. the right glass. So. Yeah. <laughs> so be yeah. For, don't probably don't cook it in a wine glass. Um, not good. <laughs> probably not good. <laughs> hey. Uh, the other day, I came across this on Facebook, and it was put out by, uh, let's see, uh, it's put out by the idea of order.com, and I thought it was so funny, because, you know, on Facebook, we tend to only put the positive things, and we tend to, well, you always have one friend that puts every negative thing that ever happens in her life. There's that one <laughs> friend, right? Uh, but most people only tend to put the positive things and don't just write anything when it's kind of mediocre. So this uh, list was, if equestrians were honest with their Facebook posts. So let's go down through these and see. Let's see if we agree with these. Had a totally mediocre ride today at the show and fell in the middle of the pack in the class. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag standard. Standard. Yep. Yep. And and uh, we tend to only post when you get in in the ribbons, right? In top three, and then you fall in the middle. Or if you win the blue ribbon and you're the only one in the class, you never mention that you're the only one in the class. Yeah. No. no yeah, my dude, come back The worst from... thing in the world to put up... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. The worst thing in the world to put on Facebook is mediocrity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right? You got to put something good or something bad, but something that's in the middle, how do you respond to that? There's no... There's no icon. There's a thumbs up icon. There's a heart icon. There's a wow icon. There's not an icon to, that says... <laughs> yeah. Wait, but there is, right? right? You've seen the emoji. Have you seen the emoji movie? <laughs> no, we have not. We have not actually. seen the emoji yeah. movie. <laughs> it's all about this emo this emoji that's called meh. Meh. Like meh. meh. Yeah. So 
I know, but, but if, nobody, I, if I remember right, really the whole premise mitt. of that movie is that the old, the emo, the the mitt emoji, he's having some serious emotional problems yeah. because he's the mitt emoji, right? Yeah, exactly. No, it's a hard place to be, meh. <laughs> Number two, I haven't washed my saddle pad since I bought it a year ago. Still not going to. Hashtag durable. <laughs> you know, that's funny Growing because y'all, y'all wash, like English, you wash saddle pads, right? Like right. you can put them in like a t-shirt. Yeah, that's right. We don't, that, that's not, that does not happen with us. Well, your saddle pads would fall apart if you washed them. They're made of weird stuff. Well, I don't, I don't even they're think giant. you could. Yeah, yeah. they're like, they're. Thick. I don't think don't you they could. Get, like, I mean, stinky like, and really dirty after a while. Yeah, I mean, we power like we'll power wash them and use the soap on them and stuff like that. But there's there is no there's no, there's no sticking them in the washer. Yeah, that yeah. is an advantage you know, with the English the side. Just throw them in the washer, wash them the eighty five times till they fall apart. Wait until they break into four pieces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> break into four pieces and then throw them away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How about number three? I didn't clean my bridle today. Probably won't tomorrow either. Pound or hashtag bit grit treats. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if you have a, if you have a bridal bit with a roller. How often do you wash your bits? We don't. There there you go. (laughs) I I mean, we'll shine them, we'll shine them up for a show, but we don't. Yeah. I like Western. There's not a lot of work involved. I like that. (laughs) Uh, Number four. (laughs) Come on now. Number four. Won my class today because I was the only one in it. Well, we just talked about that one. Uh, number five, use the same bridle on two horses because I didn't want to clean two. Well, I think everybody does that, right? If they fit, <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> it's like... yeah. some, of, some of that might be like, why did why did you post that? You don't need to tell everybody how what everybody does. Like it's like <laughs> sort of the secret of the trade, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, number six, rode bareback today because I'm too lazy to tack up. Uh, yeah, everybody's done that. I think. Yeah. And this, this is a list of if equestrians were honest with their Facebook posts. Uh, number seven, body clipped my horse this afternoon and saved the legs for later. <laughs> Hashtag never going to happen. <laughs> Another reason you could, uh, you would like it out here. We don't body clip anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually like clipping my pony. I think it's fun. I don't know. Some <laughs> people hate it, but I kind of think it's fun. I like doing it. I don't know. We do. We do clip the dogs in the summer, and they, I mean, they look mangy because it's a home job for sure, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you don't clip at all? No. Anything? No? No. Not for shows? Nothing? No. No? No. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll clip, I mean, we clip, you know, like, ears and, you know, all the, all the goat, you know, I don't know, call it like a billy goat underneath <laughs> the chin, not, not the whiskers, but the part underneath the, you know, the beard type stuff. Number eight, didn't have to clean, didn't have clean matching polo wraps for the dressage clinic, rode an open front jumping boots. That's how I roll. (laughs) 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 Dressage (laughs) clinic people love that. Uh, Number nine, went to the barn with the intent to ride my horse, but instead talked to four people, ran out of time, gave them a carrot, and hashtag going places. Yeah, that happens a lot at boarding <laughs> barns. You know, I think actually people who have their horses at home or who go to a place where there's very few people at the barn get more riding done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number 10, I don't remember the last time I brushed my horse's tail. Uh, I am guilty. Guilty, I haven't. 
don't really brush his tail. <laughs> I get in trouble for brushing his tail unless I like put product in it and clean it up and everything because I pull his hair out. So I just don't brush it anymore. I get in trouble. Jennifer yells at me. So <laughs> just, yep. just, you, you, you do it right or not at all. <laughs> you could. Yeah, right. You could brush and use a tail bag, right? And then maybe it wouldn't be as noticeable. Oh, he'd rip the tail bag off in about 10 minutes. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, he's a hackney pony. They don't. Oh, yeah. yeah. He would yeah. have to reach yeah. around and grab that tail rag bag and just rip it off his tail. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be rubbing yeah. it on fences. <laughs> uh, he doesn't like keeping much on his body. We're lucky he keeps the he's halter on. He's a little beast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like all that very much. Number 10. Uh, I don't remember the last time. Oh, no, no. Number 11. I jumped cross rails today. Uh, nobody announces that they they jumped cross rails. It's <laughs> not, not usually. My post up there. That's my post. I like hashtag yeah. Tokyo 2020. <laughs> yeah. You're jumping cross rails. It's more like whatever 2030. Um, yeah. Today I worked on transitions. We walked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this shirt that was like, this is why I run. You should come running with me. And when you come running with me, we mostly walk. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer went out for a trail ride. We haven't talked about that. You went on a big trail ride the other day, right? Yes, on Saturday. Saturday I went out. And it was a great trail ride. It was one of the properly organized ones. And uh, we probably (laughs) had 25 people show up. It was awesome. They rode on the uh, Florida Greenway. Have you heard of that, Tara? I have. Yeah, yeah, and it's a great place to ride. I mean, it's just terrific. So supposedly, yeah. supposedly, I think you can ride the path that Paul Revere rode. Someone told me about that. I think that would be really cool. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. Up Whoa. in Massachusetts, okay, you mean? Denise, yes, yeah. Right okay, you switched states that. on me. I was con- confused there. I'm I sorry, know. Paul sorry. Revere rode in Florida. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a long ride. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. Yeah, it's a long, <laughs> yeah, long <sorry>. ride. <laughs> You can ride that if you want to. It's just going to take you six months. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's the that's the uh, patriotic, not patriotic, but the colonial version of unbranded. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now the uh, <laughs> Florida Florida Greenway goes from the Gulf to all the way across to the Atlantic, all the way across the state. So you could theoretically ride the entire width of the state. Yeah. Uh, on on a cool. park in a park, and it's very prehistoric. It was uh, going to be a canal at one time, and they're like early 1900s, and they dug out part of it, but they never finished it. And then they <laughs> made it in this linear park, so it's a lot of ups and downs where they dug it out and stuff. It's the only hills in Florida, so there you well, go. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about uh, number thirteen? I did horse laundry in our house washer without removing the hair first. This will piss off. Every horse husband in the country, I guarantee you, because I have to do like the regular wash, and then when she washes that, and I come in, and there's hair everywhere. <sighs> you probably have separate washer dryer, or don't you wash anything? You should consider Western, I guess. <laughs> Send your hate mail to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number 15. This is a funny one because we've had this conversation on the show before. Someone was hogging the bathroom, so I peed in my horse's stall while chatting with people in the barn aisle. (laughs) Hashtag, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) It's happened. It happens all the times at horse shows in the trailers. It happens everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I learned early on when I started dating Jennifer is that horse girls will pee anywhere. (laughs) Just... (laughs) 
any <laughs> no uh, hesitation at all, no shame, no modesty. All right, that was a list that was put out by theideaforder.com. Well, Jennifer is getting our guest on the line. We're going to talk uh, we're going to talk to a veterinarian called Madeline Ward about horse temperament and we're going to be discussing that in just a minute. But first, you know, a song we haven't played in a long time. I thought that you would enjoy today. And that's Marianne Kennedy with Green on Green. We'll be right back. Green on green makes black and blue. Wouldn't ride that horse if I were you. It's like walking on a hot tight wire. Dynamite too close to fire. Today you might get off scot-free, but chances are eventually he'll go up. You come down, that's when you'll understand this song. I can't tell you what to do. But green on green makes black and blue. Black and Blue. You can find all of her songs at maryannkennedy.com or just find them on iTunes. All right, your guest is ready. Okay, well, this morning I, I would like to welcome Madeline Ward to the to the show this morning. How are you? How are you, Madeline? I'm doing well. Thank Great. you. <laughs> so, it's fun. Madeline, she helps us with the horses at our barn and um, I just thought it would be wonderful to to have her on and ask her ask you, Madeline, to tell everybody a little bit about about what you do and how you came about uh, horse temperament typing and and you know maybe even uh, help guide them on where they can learn more and and go from there. So if you could just tell us a little bit about 
how you came across or how you started developing horse temperament? Well, I will do that. It, it's a long story that's been yeah. <laughs> several years, but I will, <laughs> I will <laughs> attempt to, to compress it a little bit for you. Uh, you know, I graduated from Texas A&M in 1980, and I was just, I have loved horses all of my life, and I couldn't wait to, you know, be able to help the horses and, and keep them healthy and, and you know, studied really hard. And you know, But the problem was that after practicing for about eight or nine years, I got frustrated because I wasn't keeping the horses as healthy as I wanted to, I was, I was treating a lot of colics and founder and uh, uveitis and, and things that were just devastating to horses. And it frustrated me that I couldn't keep the horses from having these problems. So that's when I started exploring, you know, more holistic methods and studying more about a diet and acupuncture and homeopathy and, and other ways to help horses that maybe would, would keep them from getting sick. And, and it did. It, it helped quite a bit. But even with all that and, and with really you know, so many of my clients were great and came on board with me and started looking at fewer vaccinations, fewer drugs, and more natural management for the horses and, um, you know, just taking super, super, super care of them. But even with all that, there were still some of the horses that were just not doing well. And what I noticed with those horses is oftentimes the owner had an agenda for the horses that was just not a match. The horse was not either physically or emotionally able to do what that owner expected of the horse. Uh, you know, example would be somebody would bring in just a, a lanky thoroughbred type horse and that they wanted to make a, a high level dressage horse. And it was just a constant battle that the people would come in, well, there's something wrong with this horse. He won't collect and, and, you know, want me to do, you know, chiropractic or acupuncture and make it so that the horse would, would perform better. And, you know, what I, what I kind of came to realize is that the horse, they just didn't have the right horse to, to do the job. And also sometimes it was just a power struggle between the horse and the rider. It just was not a good match. And I had remembered with my, um, acupuncture training, I had been briefly exposed to the traditional Chinese medicine temperament typing, but it didn't, it didn't really hit home for me until I found myself actually in the same position of being mismatched with a horse. And <laughs> I had a, a mule that I had raised, and her name was Tess, and we had kind of a love-hate relationship. We had, you know, we did a lot of things together, but my horsemanship was so bad. And she put up with me for years and years. And finally, she's like 17 years old. And she's like, I've just had enough of this. Because it wasn't fun for her, our riding. You know, you can imagine yeah. with, with my lack of skills. And the sad thing is, is that I didn't know what I didn't know. And it, she started bucking me off. And that's when I started seeking help. And there had been a woman coming into the area named Linda Hoover. And I had, I would see her out at the barns when I was working. I'd see her teaching lessons and I'd met her and she seemed super nice. And, but I didn't think I needed any of that until I got in trouble. And so when I started working with her with Tess, 
And she got me introduced to Tom Curtin and Buck Brannaman and all the natural horsemanship methods. And when I started changing, I saw dramatic changes in Tess. And all of a sudden, my unruly, difficult mule became like the star pupil, you know, at, at the clinics. And it was all about me. You know, it wasn't, it was, she didn't change at all. And, and truthfully, I didn't really train her to be a different animal. She trained me to be a different owner. And I realized that that's really what so many of our horses need is they don't need another training method to, to, for the owner to make them better at their job. What they really need is more training for the owner to be what the horse needs them to be. And when I just, I, I had some great years with, with Tess after getting my skills better, but I retired her at 26 and I bought a yearling mule and I thought this is going to be so fantastic because from the very beginning, I'm going to use all these new skills and I'm going to have an animal that is just perfect and we're going to go to clinics together and we're going to sort cows and we're going to barrel race and we're going to do all these fun things. And that mule hated me from the first minute that I got him. And for six years, I tried to get that mule to be the animal that I needed him to be. And um, it was, you know, I'm surprised I even have any friends left as far as my riding buddies. (laughs) It was just a disaster. And, and finally, you know, he, he also hurt me. I mean, luckily not badly. And I, I, it took that, it took that for me to realize that I was not a match for this mule. And it, that's when it came back to me that just, it was like a 30-minute lecture during my acupuncture training about these different temperament types. And I went back and dug up my notes and, and looked at it and thought, you know what, this is a wood, this is a wood mule. And they're competitors, they, they want to win, they're going to challenge you. And I thought, that's exactly what he does. And I am not the right person for him. I, I am, I'm not, I don't have a big enough job for this mule because I'm in full-time equine practice and I'm trying to, you know, grab 30 minutes here and there where I can go out and ride. And, and um, he needed a much bigger job. And so I got him, I got hooked up with Tom Curtin and he, his dad actually did the training for Dances with Wolves, you know, worked with the mules. And um, got that mule to him, and he said, this is the, the best mule that I have ever had. But his idea <laughs> of a trail ride was 20 miles to town and back. So it was, it was a fit. So, you know, with that really tough experience, I, I started looking more and more at the temperament typing and matching the horse to the owner and then also working with the owners as, you know, asking them the questions, is, is, is this the horse that is the right match for what you want to do? And is this horse a match for you? And if the horse is not a match for you, no amount of training is going to make this horse change. This horse is who he is, and he's not going to become something different to fit your needs. So are you willing to make the changes in yourself? And for me, actually, as I've done this through the years, that is an amazing gift that these horses bring to us. And it's, it's, if we can 
be with a horse and change to fit that horse, then how much can that serve us in other areas of our life? And how much do we hide who we really are, but the horse sees it and the horse lets, you know, the horse doesn't fill in for you. The horse expects you to be, you know, who you are and be your best. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what got me the, the journey to the point where I, I feel like every horse, it's to the benefit to, to temperament type that horse and find out, you know, what is it that that horse needs and are you up to be, to be that person for that horse? So what are the, what are the five temperament types that you typically put, you know, that you can classify horses in and, and do they always fit in one or do they cross over or so kind of what can you give us sort of an overview of of the types? There's, yeah, there's five main types and that would be the fire, um, earth, metal, water, and wood. Those are your fine five main types. And the horses that fit into those single types are usually pretty straightforward. Like that, my um, first mule I had was actually a wood fire. So she was a little bit more difficult in that she was unpredictable. You know, it's like one day her wood self would be there, the next day her fire emotional self would be there. And she kind of had that, that zero to ten uh, personality where one minute you had zero and then if you blinked the next minute you had 10 and then but my wood mule the second guy was just wood all the time there was there was never any doubt as to what you had so the five straight types are usually pretty straightforward if someone has one of those types they can read the description and be pretty comfortable at what type that they have but there's also six combination types and the combination types is there's a, a fire water and then the wood fire, a water fire, a fire water, I mean a fire wood, and a metal earth and an earth metal. And those types are much more challenging to type. And they they don't always fit easily. So you just have you have to kind of go with your, your best instinct on it and the other challenge that you have with typing the horses is their temperament is what they're born with. But, you know, so many times you don't have a horse from birth. So you're getting a horse with years and years and years of life experience. And a lot of times it's not all good. So that horse doesn't necessarily show what their true temperament is because they've kind of been forced to survive or they've had life experiences that have created some trauma for them and they are just living sort of in that fight or flight mode. And so you've got to kind of take some of those layers off and get that horse to, to relax. And then, you know, then you can really see, you know, what type the horse is when we're doing our consultants are doing the temperament typing. If a horse has just recently changed hands or has moved from one barn to another, we don't necessarily try to, type that horse on the first session, we will kind of work with what the horse is showing. You know, we want to make sure the horse doesn't have any pain anywhere. It doesn't have digestive problems. Get those physical things handled first and then see what you have, you know, with the horse's true temperament. 
So, and I don't, I don't mean to be redundant because I know, like some some of the listeners are aware of Chinese medicine and that the the types are the same as Chinese medicine. And Glenn said this is some of the stuff that Dr. Wendy talks about. But just could you kind of give us a quick a fire horse? You know, like on your website, you do a great job of saying like sort of the fire horse's motto and typical traits. And uh, right. so, could, could you sort of just quickly horse, overview? Them? Yeah. Absolutely. So the fire horse, their their motto is is look at me. The the fire horse loves to be admired. They they like attention. They're the horse that likes a lot of you know, the more bling you can put on them, the better. They're really a friendly horse, very, very sensitive, very affectionate. They want to please you. They're not you're almost always a very pretty horse. Even if it's like a a breed, like a draft horse, you can recognize the fire horse because they just have the the big doe eye and the, you know, maybe they're just not quite as coarse and their bone is not quite as heavy as would be typical for the breed. And, but the problem with the fire horse, when they get out of balance, they can be very anxious and and nervous and, and reactive. They're, they're not a dangerous horse, but definitely can be a, a flighty horse. So they, the, the best thing to do with the fire horse is to give them a lot of attention and groom them. They, you know, they love to be groomed and they'll do, they'll do anything for you. The, the earth horse is kind of the opposite. Your earth horse is just your easy going. I want to get along. They're great kids horses, um, not reactive about anything. And, um, but if they're, because they have such a good nature, Sometimes they get pushed really hard and they tend not to, to argue very much. But if they really are pushed too hard, what you'll see is that people, this horse is really lazy and it's not so much that they're lazy. They just, they just are not enjoying themselves that much and they can get a little bit grouchy and appear to be lazy. And usually that's a sign that they've been overworked. Hmm. And the, um, the metal horse, the metal horse just wants to go to work. There, there are a just hardworking. They're tough. They're not going to quit until they're you know dragging a leg and you know and and they're not going to show you early that they're that they're struggling. And there again, they're a horse that tends to be overworked because they have such a good work ethic. And what you'll see with the metal horse when that happens is they get very rigid and shut down. And they're that horse that you just go up to to pet them, and they're just their muscles are just rock hard, and their neck, you know, their heads up. They don't move, but they're just like, you know, hey, don't don't touch me. Um, I'm not interested in anything. Let's just go get the job done and leave me alone. Yeah. The the water horse is probably your most emotional of all the horses, and fear is the emotion that goes with water. So the most important thing to that water horse is they want to be able to trust you. And to build that trust with the water horse, you want to expose them to as many things as you can in a very safe environment so that they learn more to respond to you rather than to automatically react in in fear. And unlike the fire horse, the water horse, when they get afraid and upset, they will panic and they can hurt you not through intention, they just um, they just kind of go into a terror mode, 
and will, you know, either, you know, they're just, they're not predictable. And at that point, they're not trustworthy. So, but the more that you develop that trust with them when they are young, then they will look to you. And if you're not concerned, then they're not concerned. And they can be amazing competitors because they are sensitive and they're usually very, very athletic horses. But that's the challenge is that if they get out of balance, that fearfulness can can make them a little bit dangerous. So it's not necessarily a horse that you want to have for a beginner. And um, and you don't want to have that horse with someone that's not um, not sensitive to that horse's needs and kind of runs over their feelings and gets them afraid. And it's sometimes hard to get those horses back to trusting people again. And then the wood horse is the one I was talking about with my mule. Their, you know, their motto is that I will win. And the, the more that you can challenge them in their job, the better, because if they're not getting that competitive need met through their job, then they're going to start trying to, to run over you and take over. And um, dealing with the wood horse is that you have to set your boundaries and you have to set them every single day because that horse is going to come out of their stall or pen and they're going to be okay. I know the rule was this yesterday, but today I'm pretty sure that <laughs> I'm going to be the one that's that's going to <laughs> to be in control here. But the you know when you give that horse a good job and you do a, a job that he enjoys and is challenging enough for him, then he stops all that behavior. You know it's it's like okay, I see you know the boundaries are it's the same today as it was yesterday, as the day before, as the day before. I've got a job to do. I I can put all my energy into doing my job well and and winning at my job and then they can be just a steady solid performer but if you don't set those boundaries and you give that horse any sort of a I mean they're always going to be looking for that opportunity to to test you I know uh, Jake when I sent him off to Tom Curtin's uh, dad and he would uh, get the stories and his dad would tell him it's like yeah I did did drop my guard that one time and and um, you know <laughs> so it's they, they will make a horseman out of you. And um, so when they're out of balance, they're, they're pushy and aggressive. But when they're in balance, they're a good, solid performer and they, they want to win. So they're going to give it, they're going to give it their, everything they have. Up oh, to Tara. Did we lose Tara? Tara, I think we did. We lost Tara. Hold on one second. We'll get her back. I don't know what happened to her. All right. She, uh, are you back, Tara? I'm back. Sorry. It just kicked me out. <laughs> and I was, all of a sudden you were gone. I know. I, I thought you drowned in the water she was talking yeah. about. I was like, where'd she go? Well, I just was going to say that, like, I've, I've, I actually started to speak up and say, you know, I've, one of the things I've heard lots of different temperament typings and personalities, personalities, type A, type, you know, Myers-Briggs, there's all these things. But one of the things that I loved when I started, when we started working with you, Madeline, is you brought to our awareness that they have, we have these different types, but yet, so that also is linked to what they burn through faster. So what, how their nutritional needs are different. And so one of the things that you really helped us do is once we started typing horses that, you know, we sort of, it was easy, like you say, once you hear the description, then you know, oh, that's, and like even Jen was saying, oh, that's Beaker, you know, so you start, you start going, oh, that sounds so much like this horse, 
But then it goes, okay, well, when we start feeling them, like, for example, we have a water horse that he's great. And then sometimes we can start to feel him just kind of kind of revert back to old ways, if you will. And we think, well, man, maybe he's burned through some stuff nutritionally too. So we're always adjusting training programs based upon, oh, you know, this, we've been asking him to develop more skills, but he's starting to lose some of his confidence in other ways. So, you know, go back and try to, you know, help him be more confident in other skills before we start advancing what he's working on, but also thinking about it from a nutrition standpoint that, yeah, we maybe need to now look at what they're burning through in a different way. So, um, can you, how would people find out more about whether or not, you know, wh- what their horse type is and then how to address that horse's needs, not only emotionally through the typing emotionally, physically, but, but also nutritionally. Well, and that's, and that's, something that I really enjoy about the traditional Chinese medicine is they do take such a holistic view. So the different types have organs that are associated with that type. They have different connective tissues that are associated with that type. Just to give an example, like with the water horse, it's going to be the kidney and the bladder. But in traditional Chinese medicine, they associate the adrenal glands, you know, with the kidney. So that water horse with that fear you want to feed that horse in such a way to support the adrenal gland, support the kidney, and the water element also controls the bone and the nervous system. So you want to make sure the horse has some extra minerals, you know, in their in their diet that will support those bones. And they also have the amino acids and the vitamins that would be needed to support the adrenal glands. So we've actually developed some formulas for the horses, seeing that that certain horse temperaments are going to handle stress in a different way and they're going to be certain organ systems that are going to be the most likely to have trouble in that temperament type. So we want to give those organ systems extra support. So we have just some basic principles about, you know, feeding and management of the different types on our website, which is horsetemperament.com. And the way we developed our balance formulas is it's not a formula that is fed to the horses every day. You know, what we find is, is most of the clients that we work with already have horses on a good foundational nutritional program. Now, we might look at that and, and make some adjustments. For instance, the water horse will do better on a little bit extra alfalfa in their diet. And um, so we want to make sure that the horses have their foundational needs met and they're tweaked maybe just a little bit for that temperament type. But the balancing formulas are there when that horse is under extra stress, like it maybe when it first goes into training or it's first starting to go to shows and it hasn't settled into the routine yet, then we want to give those balancing formulas just in those times, you know, when the horse is being stressed. Or if a horse is in a training program and they've been in the program for a while and they seem to be all settled in, we might still recommend that those balance formulas be given, say, five to ten days of the month just to give that horse a little extra support, you know, knowing that they are, maybe they're not showing stress because they've learned how to handle handle their, their program, but that you, we still want to make sure that if something does come along that causes a little bit of stress, that they've got some extra cover that nutritionally that fits them for their type. Good. Well, 
that that definitely is one of the things that uh, I feel like it's, it can be very overwhelming. The type of uh, information out there, the nutrition's and the nutritional supplements available, and what organs it affects, and when you use this. And to me, you know, it's I mean, of course, it's a huge, huge industry. So this, I loved that when we when we met you and started working with you, that we could basically take some of our awareness in the way that we get to know the horses and the way that we do our training program, it gave us a starting point to know what to provide that horse. And it definitely is something that, that we use before we go to the shows. You know, once we know the horse's type, it's just something that we can do that is more likely to support them in a, in a time of higher stress. So, um, I thank you so much for, for coming on the show today and for telling us about how you evolved horse temperament and the different types and how folks can find out more about getting a balancing formula. Um, so horsetemperament.com is, is Madeline's website and it's, I actually have a hard time spelling it, but it's horse temperament, T E M P E R A M E N T.com. And, uh, where, where are you based out of Madeline? You can also get there, Tara. Well, you can also get to it if you go to Horse Harmony. Um, okay. That, that will also take you. We, you, you know, we, I started out, the name of my book is Horse Harmony. And then as we studied more and I started looking at the, you know, I thought, well, maybe people search more for horse temperament. But either one of those will, will take you, you know, to the website. And um, right now I'm in Colorado. I still travel back to Texas. Um, I grew up in Texas and moved to Colorado in 2016. Still travel back to Texas every month and, and work on horses. And, um, you know, it just, it's a, I, I, when I'm in, in Colorado, I'm focusing on learning more, getting more information out about the temperament typing because it's just, the horses have taught me, you know, so much about myself. And all the different temperament horses, temperament types that I've had in my life, and I realize looking back that every one of them had a message for me, and unfortunately, I missed it, you know. And and it wasn't until um, Jake came along that he got it through my thick skull that that horses really needed needed more from me, and I needed to be different when I was a, around different types. And and I hope that it's helped me to be more balanced as a person by recognizing the different types of horses. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for coming on the show today. And you can certainly learn more about Madeline and, and her work and, and even, you know, learn more and delve into temperament typing more on the website. So thank you so much, Madeline, for your time today. Well, and I just want to thank you, Tara, for letting me work on you and Trevor's great horses and come to your place. And you guys are doing super things in the, in the industry. And I, I appreciate the invite to, to oh. speak with you today. Thank you, oh, Dr. Thanks. Horse. All Thank right. You. Yeah, so um, that all sounded familiar because of our work with Dr. Wendy, and I'm glad to see there's other there are other veterinarians out there doing the same thing. Yeah, I, I like that too that she's a vet, and because you don't they don't always go hand in hand. No, so. and and you, more and more vets though are 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 doing tri- Chinese medicine, um, yes. whether it's acupuncture or you know pressure points or whatever it is, uh, and you know yeah. also herbs. You know things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm so glad to see that. Matter of fact, the place that all the vets go to to get their Chinese medicine training is here in Ocala. It's called the Chi Institute, and they have been selling out. You know, where ten yeah. years ago they couldn't get people to sit in the seats. Uh, yeah, so I think exactly. it definitely has changed, and uh, I'm glad you have one of those out there. Yeah, that's right. So terrific. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Where can people find out more about you guys? 
Uh, we're at carterranchhorse.com. Carterranchhorse.com. We'll have more details about that weekend uh, horse radio network get together at their ranch. We'll f- uh, have more details about that for you coming up. I think we'll have some takers that will come out, want to come out and join us. <clears throat> and then uh, we'll have more about that next month. Um, tomorrow, uh, let me see. Jamie will be back tomorrow for a normal Wednesday episode. So thank you for joining us today. We'll see you all tomorrow on Horses in the Morning. Thank you, Tara. Thank you.